and welcome to another edition of Cashing Out with Brock Landers, a New Jersey sports betting podcast. I'm your host, Brock Landers. Hit me up on Twitter at BrockLanders41. Well, we've got a great guest today lined up for you guys, which we'll get into in just a few minutes. But first, let's recap some things going on here on the New Jersey sports gambling scene. New Jersey in the last few weeks has finally got an app where you can bet. Uh, That is being run right now by DraftKings. Uh, I've heard it's a nice looking app. I have yet to download it. Um, But again, I heard that the prices are a little crazy um, and you could still get a lot better prices obviously at different books. But it's good to see that we finally at least have one that's uh, ready to go and being downloaded and people are using it. A couple friends of mine have it. Uh, I did get to play around with it a little bit. It's a pretty cool looking app. Um, Very easy to use. Um, I did hear though that they are having some issues with depositing money. Um, I'm sure we'll get to a point where uh, that should be all taken care of. But it has something to do with uh, the credit cards and um, uh, with a block on them or something like that from the bank accounts. You have to give your routing number and people don't want to give their routing number. I don't know, some whole thing. But we're still waiting for the William Hill app, and we're still waiting for uh, the FanDuel uh, Meadowlands Sportsbook app, which is yet to come. And speaking of the Meadowlands FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, they finally finished their first renovation uh, in the Meadowlands. I was actually able to be there uh, the first night that it opened, And they weren't supposed to open it until last Saturday. And then what happened was um, the night before, that Friday, was the annual Jets-Giants preseason game. So I guess they figured no one's really going to be here because everyone's going to be at the game. And for those who don't know, or if you haven't been there yet on a game day, um, it's pretty crazy trying to get in there. Um, I don't recommend it really. They do not have any of it figured out. I left my house about 5.30 last Friday to go uh, to the sports book, and I think I got there just at 6.50 by the time I got through uh, the the parking windows uh, on my way into the game. And again, that was a nightmare. I mean, it was a stupid idea on my part, but I did it for reasons to... Uh, you know, kind of get an idea of of how it's going to be when there's a football game going on or an event or a concert. Um, So, yeah, it was a good experience, I guess, just to get an idea. And again, Jets Giants, of course, that's going to bring out everybody. And, you know, it was a packed house. However, I'm glad that I finally did get in because I parked at the racetrack and no one was there. What they did was they shut down the racetrack. Um, so there was no one betting anything there um, except for the sports book. The sports book was open. So it was pretty cool. I felt like a, a privileged guest because uh, it was mean about maybe, I don't know, 15 people sitting in the new uh, sports book. And pretty cool um, as far as the look of it is concerned. I think it's the closest thing we have so far in New Jersey to a sports book. Um, you know, they, they've got like nine TVs set up now on a wall and they've got couches that you could sit down on and tables and chairs and 
Uh, it looks more like a sports book. Again, I still have an issue with the odds board. Um, they're just using a screen with, uh, you know, it looks like a PowerPoint presentation, and the things constantly are switching into different uh, screens. By the time you read one game, it switches to another screen for the later games. Um, also, too, very weird there. They're, they're doing portions of it where it's just a football screen odds, just a baseball screen odds. Um, they, they just need to figure that out. I, we still need some sort of a neon board that's constantly changing like in Vegas where you could see everything happening at once. Uh, so that's still my only biggest complaint there. I'll admit they're calling it the, the FanDuel Sportsbook Lounge. It's not a very big place. Uh, half of the bar from the, the, the racetrack bar is kind of in it, so they built around it. Um, still cool. You can get a drink there and you know kind of hang out, and the tellers are, are right there, um, so that's good. So it was like almost felt like a soft opening, but it was cool to, to be there for the first night that it opened and uh, had a pretty good day. There was some football on and uh, some people eventually did trickle over from the game uh, around the second half. Um, so it got a little bit more crowded as the night went on, but literally uh, before the 7 o'clock games uh, went off, it was literally probably me and about 15 other people there. So... Pretty cool they finally got their act together there, and then I went back the following day because it was the Travers uh, horse racing up at Saratoga, so I wanted to put some bets in for that, and I went upstairs, and yeah, they've got sportsbook tellers up there now as well, so you could sit upstairs, and it's a little bit more quieter up there. Uh, there's more places to kind of sit and lounge and kind of just hang out uh i think that's definitely where i'm going to start to to kind of gravitate towards now um so it's good that now the meadowlands has like three different areas where you can kind of bet um i'm sure that that downstairs lounge with all the tvs that's the most appealing coolest looking part of it so far um but again they're still doing more renovations where they started uh, when they opened the actual sports book, which was the Victory Sports Bar, um, that's under massive renovation. They've got guys in there tearing down the old uh, movie projectors and whatnot, and uh, that's supposed to look completely different, but you, you'll be able to see it from the second floor of the Meadowlands, so pretty cool. It seems like the Meadowlands is really getting it together, and they know that the crunch is on, and people are going to be there for football, so again, who knows if it's open uh, by next week for NFL games, um, but you know, there's still a long way to go. There's a lot of kinks to be worked out still, guys. Um, the biggest thing was if you want to get to the racetrack, and you want to get to the sports book, and there's a major event going on, there's got to be some sort of a, a racetrack-only lane, or there has to be some sort of a, um, you know, you make eight booths uh, to collect parking passes and make the last booth, um, you know, just for the racetrack. So, you know, it's too much traffic at once, and I understand that, you know, you've got 50,000 people that are, you know, or more than that, going to a game. Um, you're going to have a lot of cars and congestion and run out of spaces and stuff like that, I'm assuming, but... Um, there could definitely be a better job. I mean, I just wanted to get to the racetrack, and I was in Giants and Jets traffic for, you know, a long time. And, uh, you know, I just had to pay the deposit. I paid $40 and then got it back once I got inside. So 
I guess they're still trying to figure out all the kinks to it. And, um, you know, I just hope they get it ready for football season. That's uh, the number one thing. Uh, they're going to need it, too, for as far as the app is concerned. I, I cannot see the racetrack being filled on a Sunday uh, with people who can't get bets in. That's going to look really bad, and it's going to hold up people. And you're still getting, too. I mean, I, I spoke about this with a friend of mine today on the phone that checked it out last week. You're still getting people that are going up to the windows with their $2 parlays. Uh, you know, maybe they need a, a parlay window only, or they need some sort of a, a way to go around it, or minimum windows. I mean, they've got to do some sort of riff rafting to get the, the novice, you know, rookie guys out and the people that have placed bets already and know what they're doing, or the people that, you know, are putting in these ridiculous $2, 15-team parlays that take forever and then they change their games and they want to see what the prices are like i don't know it, it just needs to be organized a little bit better um it's getting there it's getting there slowly but surely again i think it's going to take them at least a good year to to get settled into uh the day-to-day -day operations probably of it and the traffic and and all that type of stuff but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if you can get there on a Sunday. That's the biggest takeaway from all of this. Uh, switching gears this week, I'll actually be checking out the sports book down at the Borgata. I'll be there for Labor Day weekend. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big Borgata fan, um, you know, for the last probably 10 years. But I'm really interested to see what they have there as far as the sports book. So I'll give you guys an update on that on next week's show, which will be all football, uh, barring anything crazy in baseball. And just going to recap, too, uh, there was no show uh, recently. I was in Saratoga a couple weeks back. I was there the weekend before the Travers. And... What an awesome place. It was about, I don't know, I think I counted like nine years since I've been to Saratoga. And it was like a night and day difference from the last time I was there. They've got a lot of food trucks and vendors now. A lot of like commercialized things. Uh, a lot of cool like bars set up. Um, just a really cool place to visit. Even if you don't like horse racing, I suggest you go check it out in the summer. Uh, they only meet for about 40-something days up there, but it's the best of the best, and it brings out a lot of cool people, um, and it's just a cool scene to be around. Um, I definitely recommend it. Definitely something you guys should check out uh, for next summer. Uh, Saratoga closes pretty much on Labor Day, so there's a couple days left to get out there. Well, without any further ado, we will be bringing in our guest for this week, he is a sports handicapper. His name is Greg Peterson. Greg actually works out in Vegas for VEASAN, the Vegas Sports and Information Network. And Greg has had an incredible baseball season thus far. And he was nice enough to talk about it, deliver some helpful tips. And he even talks some NFL football to close out the show with us. And he even gives away a couple free picks for you guys out there. So be sure to listen and enjoy. Well, we've got a very special guest on this week's show of Cashing Out. He's from Vegas. He is a pro sports better. His name is Greg Peterson. Greg, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Anytime. 
Um, so I guess the first question that I pretty much start everybody off with here on the show is, how did you get started in sports betting? What's like your earliest memories and how you got to where you are right now? Actually, my first ever sports bet, it's kind of funny because I went to a Division three school called the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. If you've heard of it and you're not from the state of Wisconsin, I salute you because it's a, a small state school out there in Wisconsin. Actually, third largest school out there in the state, but not a lot of people know about it because it's Division three. But I remember they were playing a game in football against South Dakota State. I remember it because it was the first time I ever saw UW Oshkosh on a betting board. It's like, eh, you know what, we might as well bet on it. It's probably the only time I'll ever be able to bet on UW Oshkosh. So I threw down $60 to win 50 on UW Oshkosh, catching, I kid you not, 46.5 points against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I was doing pre and post for the game. They wound up only losing by 35, so I cashed quite easily, even though I probably was sweating a little bit harder than I needed to because it was my first ever bet, but that's how I got started. I mean, I've been in sports media for several years, but getting a job with the Vegas Stats and Information Network last year, which is where I worked for the past 14 months before this new venture, also really exposed me to sports betting because before I was, I guess you could call me more of a casual better. I was a bit of a square. I like to always lay the points with the favorites and everything like that, and Ever since I joined VSIN, I really got a little bit more of an understanding of sports betting, knowing where to find value, knowing what's really a dead bet and what what bets really have value. So I really credit them with giving me a lot of support and helping me get to where I am. That's awesome, and that's a great place to start. I mean, uh, to really get some good mentoring, that's for sure. I'm sure you've you learned a lot, like you said, in those 14 months. Oh, I certainly did. I mean, they've got some of the best in the business over there. Obviously, you've got Brent Musburger, who's been talking about sports gambling for a very long time, although it was a little bit more subdued until he uh, founded the Vegas Stats and Information Network. But you got guys like Matt Humans, Amal Shaw, Mitch Moss, Paul Howard, John Von Tobel. The list goes on and on of great people to learn from. So I give them a lot of credit. They did a very good job of mentoring me and helping me go from the square to being someone that once in a while knows what he's talking about. Absolutely, and that's a good segue because you clearly know what you're doing in baseball this season. Um, Up over 70 units, I think. That was the last thing that I saw on your Twitter the other day. Yep, that is correct. I am up in the neighborhood of 76 and 77 units heading into tonight's game. Wow, impressive. And now, if I'm correct, too, this is your first year fully handicapping baseball? That is correct. I've been a little bit more of a college basketball specialist, and it's always a sport that really gave me my break in sports media, so I always really like sports or college basketball. I've just loved sports in general. I just casually followed baseball, casually followed like college football and things like that, but now I'm really getting full into handicapping, and this is my first year in baseball, and it seems to be going very well. Absolutely. So now I know too that like, you know, you post your plays every day on Twitter and you do offer a lot of volume and clearly it's working. Uh, what's your kind of method behind that and your handicapping just in general? I know you can't give away all the secrets, but uh, this show here, we try to, you know, cater to the, the rookie sports better. So for someone doing good in their first year of baseball, uh, what's kind of been like your success? It's a multi-step process. The biggest thing is 
take a look at these lines when they come out the day before because you can really get a gauge as to what Vegas thinks is going to happen because they post these lines, I would say, right around 5.30, 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, which is more like 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. So you can at least get a little bit of an idea of where the line is. And then from there, I take a look at the offshore market because they're going to signal the line changes a little bit earlier than you will find at the Vegas books or, in many cases, the New Jersey books, wherever you're doing your sports betting, since now we've got a couple more states legalized. Thank goodness for that. So I take a look at what's happening with the offshore movement. I take a look at the pitching matchups. I just try to break down what I think is going to happen, and I also watch a lot of games. I know that a lot of people base their baseball plays off of just going off a spreadsheet, going off of analytics. I like to do a two-prong approach. You can't take, you can't just completely ignore the fact that a guy has a uh, large differential between fielding independent and ERA, but at the same time, you need to use your eyes and, in my opinion, just know what kind of a pitcher he is, whether he's going to be able to get lefties out, if he's going to struggle against righties, things like that. So I try to watch as many games as possible. And then from there, I take a look at how the lines are moving, and I take a look to see, can I get this number at a better price in the morning? Should I fire now, or should I wait for a lineup change in case there's an injury? And another piece of advice I will offer people is to listen to managers' post-game press conferences, because so many people in baseball, they say the hardest thing to do is to predict the lineup changes. A lot of times, the managers will throw out there that, hey, Ryan Braun is going to be getting a day off tomorrow, or uh, we're going to be skipping Johnny Cueto's start or something like that. So listening to those uh, managers' post-game press conferences can really give you an idea as to what the lineups are going to be the next day. Excellent stuff right there, Greg. And I think, uh, like you said, for the rookie betters that are maybe this is their first go with baseball, a lot of great information there as far as getting a jump on things. Um Switching just to, to sports betting in general, uh, what would you say is the most important thing that you've kind of learned so far in your journey, or what's like one of the best pieces of advice you've ever gotten about as far as sports gambling? One of the biggest uh, things that I take into account is looking for value, because I think that so many people, they get into this prism in which, oh, the Red Sox are going to win no matter what. I can lay whatever price I feel like it. Sure, the Red Sox should probably beat the Toronto Blue Jays, but at the same time, laying minus 350, minus 400 in the long run is not going to be a good bet. And at the same time, even though you might see value like, ooh, the Blue Jays are a plus price against, let's throw out there, the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, well, maybe plus 110 just isn't going to cut it. So it's all about knowing these teams, knowing what number, uh, in your opinion, there's value at, and knowing what number you need to lay off at. Something that I would recommend is just making your own prices before they actually come out, because if you have, like, the Blue Jays, for example, I've been throwing out there, as a team that probably should be about 160 to 165 in a matchup, and then you see that they're at plus 150, it's probably a signal that, hey, they have the line pretty well pretty well set, I don't need to fire. But if you have that at plus 175, and then all of a sudden you see that the Blue Jays are at plus 260, hey, there's a 90-cent difference there. There's some value. That's something worth betting on. 
Absolutely. Great stuff right there, Greg. Um, obviously, we're, we're getting closer to football season here, college football kicking off this week, and then next week we've got the pros. Um, as far as pro NFL football is concerned, um, I know you've done a super contest in the past right out there in Vegas. I certainly have, and I'm actually going to be doing a super contest podcast this year as well, so be on the lookout for that. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Um, as we get into it here for football, uh, any teams you're going to really keep an eye on? Any uh, future bets you've made, season win totals, anything you could uh, tell our listeners? I was actually able to get the Detroit Lions at under eight wins at minus 120 juice. I feel like that's a very good bet because you take a look at it, a healthy Aaron Rodgers should lift the Packers back to that 10-plus win area. We saw what the Minnesota Vikings did last season, making it all the way to the NFC Championship game. They also now have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, so you have to figure that the Minnesota Vikings are going to be locked-loaded and ready for Bear. The Chicago Bears are improving in that division as well with Mitchell Trubisky. I still think that they're a year away, but they're certainly not the easy out that they've been the past couple of years, especially when they had Jay Cutler as their quarterback. So I thought that under eight with the Lions was a very good bet. And one of the other teams I like for maybe a little bit of a surprise here is the Arizona Cardinals. Their win total is at six right now, and I'm not really quite sure why. I mean, let's face it, the Arizona Cardinals are not going to be a team that goes like 15-1 of one or anything like that, but this is still a decent team. If Sam Bradford stays healthy, he's, he's shown that he can be a solid quarterback, and that division at, as a whole is deteriorating. The Seattle Seahawks are not what they once were. You also take a look at the San Francisco 49ers. They had a nice end of last year, but this team is a box of chocolates. You really don't know what you're going to get out of them. Obviously, the L.A. Rams should have a very good year. We saw what they did last year with Jared Goff and company, but we've seen teams that take that massive step forward one year regress a little bit the next year, much like the Oakland Raiders did uh, back when they had their big 2016 year. Last year, they really took a big step back. So I think that the Arizona Cardinals over and the Detroit Lions under the win totals are two very good plays. Excellent. Well, our listeners will be happy to get a couple free plays like that from you. Now, I've been following you for, for baseball stuff, and I know you're pretty heavy volume with that. When it comes to football, are you, are you still pretty heavy volume in football? Or you kind of just limit yourself to like three, four games a week? Or what's pretty much your, your handicapping uh, ways for football? For football, last year, I essentially uh, did my super contest plays as my actual plays. So I was right around five a week there. I'm probably going to jump into totals a little bit more this year as well, so I'm going to be adding a few more plays there because what I've noticed with uh, Vegas is you can have some very, very high limits on betting sides in, like, football, college football, things like that. The totals, their limits are much, much lower because it's easier to sort of gauge where they're going to go. And if you remember that big, giant snow game last year, I believe it was the Bills and the Colts going at it, you knew that that game was going to be a dead under. I mean, nobody could, like, pull their feet out of the ground. It was so insane. It, the fact that there was even a touchdown scored in that game was insane, in my opinion. So, I mean, you're able to like, gauge those totals a little bit more based on weather, based on whether or not it's snowing, based on who's in and who's out of the lineup. So, I mean, with me, it's going to be not quite as high volume as baseball is, but at the same time, I do find my – I do think that I'm going to be finding myself playing quite a few totals this year. 
Awesome. Well, good luck going into the uh, the football season, and obviously keep killing it with baseball. You're doing the right thing, that's for sure. Um, it's been a tremendous year for you already, and hopefully things continue for you going into September. Um, where can people find you as far as the, the podcast that you were talking about and also on Twitter for for these folks to follow? My Twitter handle is at GUnit underscore 81. As you mentioned, I put out baseball plays every single day, so you can find them there. And then I'm also doing two podcasts. Uh, one is called High Five, the Super Contest Podcast. Our first edition is going to be out next week with the unveiling of the Super Contest Week 1 lines. And then I also do a, a podcast called That's Gold. It actually features Steve Heitner, who you may remember as Kenny Banya from Seinfeld. Very, very funny guy, a lot of fun. And you can find that uh, podcast on Google Play, on Twitter, or, or on Stitcher, I should say, or you can go to the website, that'sgold.gold. That is not .com. That is that'sgold.gold. That's awesome. i got to ask you real quick, how did you come in contact with Kenny Banya? I mean, it was actually a really crazy story because, I mean, we we did this little thing with VSIN. We did, like, a little bit of a pilot shoot with them and things like that. I mean, I thought that it was a lot of fun, and then, I just had someone come up to me out of the blue and say, hey, I heard that you do a really good job of producing. How would you like to be involved with this project? And I was just all over it. I mean, combining Steinfeld and sports betting, I mean, does it really get any better than that? So I'm very happy to be part of this venture. That sounds awesome, and I will definitely be subscribing. I'm a huge Steinfeld guy, and I love sports, uh, you know, betting as well. So I will definitely be uh, following you guys there as well. Thanks again so much, Greg. Hopefully we can have you on again maybe sometime during football and uh, when college basketball comes rolling around. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Excellent job this season by Greg. He's got an interesting story. His first year really handicapping baseball, and clearly whatever he's doing is working. You can follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. He releases all of his daily plays there. Greg certainly puts in the hard work required to turn a profit. He's up all hours of the day tweeting and answering questions. He's a must-follow for sports handicapping in general. Well, uh, Greg talked a lot about baseball, and uh, obviously, like we said, we're going to be switching gears to football weekly now um, until basically the baseball playoffs come. Uh, the last few weeks I've been discussing how usually once September rolls around in baseball, I usually stop betting it just because September, the call-ups and motivation and, and all that other crazy stuff, and I like to focus on football more. Um, but I will be playing in October, that's for sure. October, we will definitely be talking about baseball. Uh, speaking of baseball, though, uh, again, before we switch into football full-time, <sighs> the biggest thing I've been seeing lately on Twitter, and even friends and other people and things like that, everybody's like so surprised that good teams are losing to bad teams, and... I just find it comical. I mean, it's baseball. It's a long, grueling season. It's 162 games. I don't know what else you expect. You you can't win every game. And yeah, they're these baseball teams, they're major leaguers on these teams. This isn't uh this isn't JV or uh double A or single A or independent ball. 
These are major league professional players. And yeah, if you're laying $200 to win 100 on the Yankees and they lose to the White Sox and the Bronx, that sucks. But that's why you don't play the big favorites. Um, the other funny thing is, too, I, I just don't understand people that, that just don't get it that, you know, there's teams out here that, yeah, sure, they've sucked pretty much the entire year, but you don't think that the managers are saying, guys, these guys are playing for their playoff lives right now. Every game means something. Let's be that team that, hey, we didn't do anything the last four or five months, but you know what? We can definitely do something about the next uh, you know, six weeks. I'm sure that's been every manager's motivation to show up and try to, you know, Throw a throw a monkey wrench into these teams' uh, you know playoff playoff implications. I mean, you know you, you got to be thinking that um, just because it's it's September doesn't mean that the favorite should be cleaning house here. Um, this is baseball. It's a game where you know any day something different can happen. No box score looks the same. Every day is a different outcome, pretty much. Um, so, again, you can't really run true to form. I mean, football, yeah, sure, you might be able to run the table 15-1 and one or something ridiculous like that. Or even basketball. Teams like the Warriors, they're going to lose, what, 15 games a year? I mean, this is baseball. you got to be happy to win 90 games. And this year in baseball, that might not be enough for some teams. Who knows? So, again... Don't bet the big favorites a lot. I mean, I'm not saying they don't cash, but don't be upset when a team like the Marlins comes to play one night or the team like the White Sox or the Tigers are still playing uh, for some pride here at the end of the year. Well, that just about does it for this week's edition of Cashing Out. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at BrockLanders41. Until next time, this has been another episode of Cashing Out, a New Jersey sports betting podcast.